0: Hey everyone. So a few years back, my company, The Good Partnership, was looking to include a land acknowledgement on our in our email signatures, and it was really overwhelming. Uh, you know, we could look at you know the traditional land acknowledgements that were available for other places that operated in you know our community, but it felt shallow, and it felt like, why are we doing this? Are we you know, approaching it from a perspective of learning and education? And how does this fit within our broader uh, approach to decolonization? And so I was really delighted when I met today's guest who teaches all of this. And she's a fundraiser. And so we're going to talk about uh, Indigenous protocols in fundraising and how your organization can incorporate them in a way that is also part of our collective journey towards decolonization. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and you're listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we bring you practical down-to-earth advice on how to get more done in your small organization. You are going to change the world, and we're here to help. And with that, it is my pleasure to welcome Rowena Valen to the podcast. Rowena is the founder and lead instructor of the new School of Fundraising. We also bonded over our mutual love of fundraising because it's very rare that you'll find someone who just has has loved doing this work throughout their career. And... My favorite fact about Rowena is that she can juggle three balls, which uh, I just think is so cool. I feel like all the kids would love you. So Rowena, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Cindy. Great to
0: be here. It is. It it is my pleasure. And I'd love for us to start with a little bit about your personal story. You know, you've indicated to me that that's something
1: you want to share with our audience. And uh, I think it's a great place to start. That sounds great. Um, Something I'm always eager to share and happy to share. I am of mixed heritage myself, which includes Daneza um, or Beaver Indian and also Ukrainian and Polish on my other side. And I have not grown up close to culture at all. I'm not connected to my Indigenous culture. My grandmother spent 15 years in residential school and never went back to community. She was there from when she was three till 18. So I really consider my family fully colonized. And I, as you, love said earlier, I am a professional fundraiser. So I kind of have these two paths in my life where I am looking to connect or to figure out what it means to be me in the world, and so far from my culture, and I am a professional fundraiser. So, uh, what's been really amazing is that the school has given me opportunities to connect back with culture more than ever before. And you mentioned the our Indigenous protocols workshop, and so. I kind of joined my two paths and two passions in one workshop. And that has led to a workshop where we hope, I, you know, I loved your, your intro. We hope to help nonprofits that, or anyone working in nonprofits or fundraising with Indigenous protocols and at least provide a safe place to ask those questions. So I've had, I've learned so much myself on the cultural part of that and kind of stayed in my fundraising lane, which has been fun as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's sort of talk about what are Indigenous protocols, because I think that that even can be Like, you know, as I said, we we talk about land acknowledgments. I've been at conferences where they have an elder open up and do an opening ceremony. There's so many different ways that those that indigenous protocols might come into our fundraising world. Can you just share some examples of what you see most commonly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what we talk about in the course a lot is that there is no right way to do things. And, you know, there's different cultures and different protocols and different approaches across the country, you know, even within a province or territory, even within, like, I'm in North Vancouver, even within North Vancouver, we have a few nations here. Those would all be different. And so I think as fundraisers, We are incredibly empathetic and caring, and we don't want to offend people, Like That's just not in our nature. That scares us. We're just like, oh, we couldn't do that. And so what we found was that we think people Well, what we heard from people is they were just not taking the step because they didn't know how to do it. So we typically talk in our workshop, we talk about, it's very basic land acknowledgements to your point of how, you know how to find your local territory or nations that you're close to, or how how to find that. Also, to your point, when would you have an elder come? What would be most appropriate? Um, how would you find that person? We talk through some very basics of working with Indigenous people too. Yeah. And I mean, I would
0: assume you'd pay someone for their time, but I want to make sure, because I've never been in a position where anything that I've done has involved an an elder, but, you know, just my understanding of anti-racism and anti-oppression work, like, we want to make sure if we're involving uh, any Indigenous representatives from, first of all, make sure they're actually from the communities where you are, (laughs) because that could also be something that I feel like I've seen people do, which is kind of like, oh, just you know anyone like do the do the work do your research and make sure you're paying people for their time and expertise
1: fair Absolutely fair. And we kind of hammer that home. In fact, I I feel proud that we're really kind of walking the talk on that. So our workshops, our two hour workshops are $50 and our Indigenous Protocols workshop is $60 because we have an elder from my community, Elder Dean, comes and joins us by Zoom um, and we pay him for that. And so he's also related. So he's my relation. He, he We would say we're cousins because a parent and I'm learning all this that everybody is a cousin. In our in our community, um, and so he said, "Oh, cousin, I'll just do this for you." And I insisted. So I think sometimes it's also for us to insist that this happens. I, you know, I I also would not feel comfortable calling on him again and again every time we have the workshop if I'm not compensating him for his time. So yes, to your point, when we have elders, it's so important to offer that honorarium and also to ask them. What is appropriate? So we, you know, maybe it's cash and that's as a nonprofit, you have to figure out how to get cash. Like we often, you know, maybe a check's not appropriate. Um, We had somebody in a workshop once an, an attendee who said they had an experience where cash was a problem because it would have, they were living on an income assistance and having more cash is a problem. And so they did a gift card. So you know, I think it's one of these things that we have to be comfortable asking those questions mm-hmm. and finding yeah. Right.
0: yeah, I've actually worked with an organization as well that did that where the, again, having been paid cash or money was not, uh, was more harmful, but there were other ways buying things that that person needed either for themselves or for the community was what they asked for, but to your point, you don't know unless you have those conversations. I almost want to sort of like wheel things back because I think a lot of time, well, I'll actually, so my husband works with uh, Indigenous communities and he often says "Thing." Uh, I don't know if I should repeat, <laughs> he says like, you know, a land acknowledgement is great. No one's going to get mad that you're doing it, but that's not they they just give them the funding for their programs, right? And so, I want to talk about the land acknowledgement as a symbol, as opposed to the work land acknowledgement having someone open ceremonies. Like that's a sim a symbolic gesture that I I believe, and I imagine you would agree, that is representative of other work that we should be doing. So I'd love for you to talk about. The work that goes on behind the scenes that we can be doing in our in our fundraising and in our nonprofits that allows us to show up for those land acknowledgments and other um, protocols in a way that is meaningful and authentic.
1: Yeah, that is great and so important because I think that we've all been, there's a great skit. I think it's Baroness Fun. They're two local, they're two Canadian comedians. I know who you're talking about. I can't right. remember the name Yeah, Yeah, and it's, if you Google land acknowledgement skit, it's two Canadian um, comedians and we play it in our workshop and it is meant to show a, a circumstance where a land acknowledgement is so shallow right? It's, it's meant to show that. And in fact, we find that most people who attend our workshops are allies. We don't have, it's not meant for indigenous fundraisers, but everyone's a little bit uncomfortable. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh at this because I don't, so you can, and I kind of give everyone a permission, like, no, it's meant to be funny. And it's meant to show the other side of it. They're not meant, they're not mocking it. They're, they're, they're wanting you to see that kind of, uh, that, What happens when it's not authentic and when you're not doing more than just like, here's your plaque, here's your acknowledgement. To give you an example, we just did a workshop with a university and we worked with this, that workshop, it was a private work, private booking. And we worked with all of their fundraisers and across the whole campus. And they said they had recently done a land acknowledgement workshop and I also want to preface it that everybody has different approaches and that's totally okay. Ours isn't like, here's how to do it. Um, but they the workshop they did before, it was more structured. It was like, here's your first third, here's your second third, here's your last third. And this is how you do it. And we tend to approach it to your point of, why not think about what it means to you, right? So... When you're doing that research and you're looking at, you know, you're finding, sure, you find the names of the the nations, like the territory names. But but why not read about their culture? Or if you're connected to the environment, why not find some traditional names of surroundings around you? Um, Maybe you're an artist and you connect with Indigenous artists. And so we encourage our people to, our attendees, to find out Something personal that touches you, and then move forward with it because it comes across so authentic, right? It's not like just saying it. So I, when I do my land acknowledgement for the school, I would say that I am honored to be a guest on the Coast Salish territories here in North Vancouver, which is the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam Nations. And I'm, so, just if I was doing that today, I'd say. Today, the sun is shining, it's beautiful. I'm just so grateful for their stewardship of the earth and this community and this beautiful land that I get to live on and my daughter and I are pursuing our own journey of finding traditional names and the traditional stories so I can look around my community and I can see and I can know the stories of the land and so that might be something that I do just today if it's a rainy day I might choose to say I've asked the ancestors to stop the rain or something right but it just makes it really personal. Mm.
0: I want to ask you about some of the more some of the bigger conversations that I've certainly been having with people or hearing from people around fundraising and colonization and capitalism and the fact that like most wealth in in our communities is on the backs of colonialism Mm -hmm. and as someone who lives in both those worlds and I know you facilitate you have facilitated discussions about this as well how how can we as fundraisers think about our commitment to decolonization and creating um, an anti-oppression and also that our jobs are fundraising (laughs) or that our work is uh grounded in in fundraising
1: it's such a huge topic and I wish that I could have like you don't have a perfect answer I know right (laughs) I know like here's what we need to do I can tell you this um, I'll, I'll tell you that it's it's a journey I think it's a journey and I think that The beginning of the journey is just that we're all aware and starting it and being in the journey together, because I don't think that anyone has a like 10 step plan, but I, I did a board workshop a few months ago for an indigenous board and I prefaced it by saying they were very excited that an indigenous fundraiser was coming to do that. I prefaced it by saying I am taught traditional fundraising and I realized that. And because of my lack of connection to culture, To be honest, I didn't even realize kind of how opposite of culture it was. And so I put up my very first slide. I had a whole thing. And the first slide lovingly derailed the entire thing. And it turned into a conversation, which I was completely happy to have. But they looked at me and said, Rowena, that's so, you know, we find this so sad. Like, it's so sad how this is all structured and how we have to do this because in our culture, you know, it's about reciprocity and it's about giving and and I said it's true and I I find it's kind of like I'm trying to f- how do we use this time and I you know I I don't know how I say this awakening within Canada almost right how, or our country how do we use this time to to change our what we do and I think. I think what a great time to be a frontline fundraiser because I think you can start having those conversations and you can think about that. It, to me, it doesn't change really where the wealth is, unfortunately. So I said, even to that group, I said to them, because they were really kind of stuck on the the thank you and the, the stewardship and because reciprocity doesn't need as much thinking, right? Like it's just it's a given, like you, you get from giving. And I said, oh, in fundraising school, I remember being taught to say thank you seven times. And they're like, oh, no, (laughs) right? But like, how do we, I said, what an opportunity we have, like, how do we have an opportunity to kind of start to weave, to learn, and to question things in ways we never have before. Yeah, I, I, and
0: that's like, Yeah, I definitely did not expect you to have like an easy answer. But, and I think that what I'm hearing from you and in all of this is like we're on a journey, Mm -hmm. right? If you're learning about how, like, what Indigenous protocols are applicable and relevant to your work, that's a journey. If we're learning how to balance decolonization and philanthropy, especially like major gift fundraising type philanthropy, uh, that's a journey. And I feel like that's also aligned with, you know, what I understand or, or, you know, the people who I've worked with from the Indigenous communities, looking at how they've approached just everything. It is a journey, right? We're all kind of journeying together and we don't have to know everything. So I really appreciate that. I want to ask you, and I think it's really important, like I, to um, the point we made earlier, like I actually don't want to ask you to sort of give us too much information because I do want people to come and actually enroll in your programs. And I'd love for you to share other resources and free or paid. I don't, you know, whatever uh, is, whatever you recommend, but I, I, yeah, places where we can go to continue this journey to continue learning because i think that this isn't as we said it's something we solved in one conversation we're not going to figure everything out
1: it's it's so true and and I, yeah i really do think that it kind of is that journey and I remember being in um, an organization a few years ago, and we had some questions because I didn't know. We were we had questions, and the CEO at the time says, "Well, you can't ask an Indigenous person because you're putting the weight of that on them." Which I appreciate, but then I said, "Like, well, then who do we ask? Google?" Like, I just feel like there's not, you know, there was kind of no in between, which is why I think the workshop is great and it's that safe place we do get tons of random questions which is great but the University of Alberta has a great course I think it's called Indigenous Canada uh, it's a great it's a 12-week course it's online it's free it's videos which is really fun and the video they've done such a great job the narrators of the videos I really enjoyed it i I learned so much so that's a great resource for people to have and of course. I think just like arming yourself on, on reading what's out there and all the calls to action and kind of how we can start to make those changes as well. As well, there's, we are big on that our workshops not cultural it's not cultural teachings it's very specifically you know how can we be better fundraisers you know one of the things we talk about is I worked at one time with an organization that had a bike event this is many years ago and I think back now I think oh my gosh like how many territories did we bike through it was like hundreds of kilometers over a few days and all I really knew was what wineries they stopped at and I just think like I just want to kind of go back in time um, because I think what a beautiful opportunity that would have been. And hopefully they can do that now of connecting with those nations and communities and, and involving them and talking to them and like how impactful and beautiful it would have been to pay one of their, you know, pay like a drumming group or something to come at the beginning. I guarantee you that those participants would have remembered that most. Like we would have heard about that. So I feel like I just went on a little tension there.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I think that, you know, ta- I, what I got from that is also just how do we build this in in a meaningful way, right? That it's, you know, there are so many different ways depending on what we're doing, depending on what our fundraising looks like, all of these factors, there's no one size fits all answer, but in working with the, the local communities where you are or many communities if you're doing a big Big bike, but involving and engaging. And I think, you know, what brought us to this point is the idea of like, can we ask someone to teach us what we don't know? And I think that that is a question that does come up a lot for people. And what I'm hearing is like, respectfully, you can, right? Like, respectfully, put some money or other resources that are relevant to whoever you're asking to teach you. We can't expect to to have all the answers unless we, uh, ask, but that we're not asking for free labor is well.
1: 100%. Yeah. Totally. You know, we think often we need to pay our elders because that is just kind of hopefully also common sense to us. But it is about, you know, oh, we're going to have a community consultation. We should be offering honorariums and oh, I'm going to go and talk to so and so. And it's you know, it's just respectful. I can share that recently I was interviewed uh, and asked a question about I was part of like a half hour interview and they offered me an honorarium due to that because I it, I was asked as an Indigenous fundraiser and I was really touched by that and mm. I think that's something that we do need to think about and and I think too part of what we talk about and I want to always talk about is like how do we move from just keeping the conversation going to action like how mm. do we make change how do we like what does that look like we had a a panel recently at the school. It was called Let's Talk About Relationships, Reciprocity, and Reconciliation. And a lot of that conversation was, it was a three amazing individuals across Canada. It was like, what does that look like? And how do we move forward? And what are our opportunities? And how can we, you know, I, I heard back from many attendees that, saying, like, I've just, it's just started me thinking on so many different levels. Like, you know, the wheels are turning. I'm processing. I'm excited about it. And I mean, what more could we ask for? Right. Yeah.
0: Rowena, thank you for joining us. I'd love for you to share. As I said, I want, you know, very rarely do we have a call to action like this, but please, I do think the work you're doing is so important. And I'd love for our listeners to come and check check it out and, and take your programs. Where can they find you?
1: We are online. So the school is a virtual school. So we are available to anyone and it's www.nsof.ca, which stands for new school of fundraising. We are on also LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. So uh, definitely touch base with us. Let us know what you need. We are happy to help and happy to have those conversations and happy to support the journey. Amazing.
0: One last really quick question because about half of our listeners are in the States and I just want to make sure that they understand like the work while you are based in Canada, this is work for everyone. Fair?
1: Yes? Yeah, we do have uh, attendees that actually come very few. They do come from the States. Um, It is a little bit of a different journey, I would Mm -hmm. say in the States, but a lot of the learnings are quite similar, right? We do talk about really kind of like how to find the answers. And so that journey is quite similar.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you again for joining us. And to all of you, our listeners who are tuning in, thank you. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Cindy. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.